Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. So if you haven't heard, the NCAA passed an interim NIL bill, which is allowing student-athletes to make money off their name, image, and likeness. Hi, I'm Rachel Hampton. And I'm Madison Malone-Kircher. And you're listening to ICYMI. In case you missed it. Slate's podcast about internet culture. And unfortunately, we have to talk about our favorite person on this podcast. We don't have to. We must. Fine. Chrissy Teigen's back on the internet. She is. She is. Back on. Never really left. I was like, did she leave Instagram? <laughs> she only left Twitter, really. I Look, she posted a very long Instagram today with a caption all about how she's hanging out in quote-unquote club cancel. It's also incredible that she's like, being offline is bad for me when it's like, Chrissy, you have millions of dollars. You can buy friends to clap for your jokes. <laughs> I'm just trying to buy myself a life off-platform. No, it's also wild because so many people's wildest dreams is just logging off. And Chrissy's is logging on after being credibly accused of harassment. Chrissy, take a beat. Touch some grass. <laughs> uh, for Rachel and I, who do remain likewise terminally online, we want to shout out a listener in our mentions this week, uh, Joel, who actually uh, took my suggestion and listened to a high-speed download at half speed. If you ever want to know what Rachel sounds like drunk. If you ever want to know what it's like when I'm explaining my job at a bar, this is what it sounds like. So Rachel <laughs> would know because she's been doing this for three years and has been certified by local rescues and actually has contact these animals from here like the entire Ten seconds. Twitter, bird Twitter, and annoying pet and Twitter got involved. I she now she gets piled up. Joel, thank you. I just it makes me realize how little I enunciate in those high-speed downloads, so... <laughs> it's like, um, you know those Facebook copy pastas about how if you keep the first letter in a word and the last letter in a word the same but scramble the middle, your brain can still understand the mm -hmm. word? Yes. That's us doing high-speed downloads. Yes, yes it is. Um, thank you so much for this, Joel. We will now be recommending that you listen to it at 0.8x speed because 0.5x speed is perhaps too slow. <laughs> uh, keep us posted. But we are not here to talk about what I sound like drunk. We're here because we are actually now the podcast Hang Up and Listen. This is a sports podcast. We're talking about sports because the NCAA just made a huge change to a longstanding policy about athletes making money off of being athletes. For years, student-athletes couldn't profit off their likeness, meaning in, you know, modern parlance, that a D1 basketball player turned overnight viral TikTok sensation could not make a single cent off an audience of millions of followers that, for quite literally anybody else, would amount to a full-time job influencing and thousands of dollars per post. 
Continuing on our uh, sports theme, later in the show, it's time for the Olympics. Well, almost time. We're still a week out from opening ceremonies, during which I will cry and uh, (laughs) unfortunately be overcome by a wave of nationalism that I'll then talk out in therapy. Uh, But over on TikTok, it it happens. Look, I'm... (laughs) I mean... I was going to say God bless America, but I don't believe that. That Olympic theme starts playing. That and I'm just gone. Can you finish that song? No, I cannot. <laughs> uh, on TikTok, though, the Olympic Games have already begun. So we're going to get into some of our favorite athletes who are posting over there and talk about how being an influencer isn't just a thing for college athletes and how the social media attention is about more than just personal profit, especially when it comes to women's sports. So speaking of women's sports... Are you familiar with an athlete named Sedona Prince? Uh, yes. I believe so. I don't... You can say I'm, no. I'm gonna... I was like, I feel like I'm gonna... I, I need to say up front. This is not a job interview. You don't I have to, like, not, fake it yeah, till you I make it. I was like, I am not proficient in Excel, nor am I really very <laughs> good. My skills are excellent. I am passably fluent in French. That's a lie. Right. I don't really know much about sports. However, I do know Sedona Prince for one reason and one reason only... She's famous on TikTok for being quite tall, but not just quite tall, but having a very short girlfriend. (laughs) I don't think I realized until we started talking about this episode, I was like, oh, this is just a tall woman with her small girlfriend that I was like, oh, it makes sense that this tall woman also plays sports. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so Sedona Prince is six foot seven. I just... (laughs) She's a D1 women's basketball player for the University of Oregon. Go Ducks. Quack, quack. Or something. Yeah, sure. (laughs) (laughs) So Sonata comes onto the radar of those of us who are perhaps not diehard women's basketball fans in March of 2021. She goes viral for a TikTok video slash Twitter video exposing the inequities between the facilities for the men's teams and the women's teams at the NCAA tournament. I got something to show y'all. So for the NCAA March Madness, the biggest tournament in college basketball for women, this is our weight room. Let me show y'all the men's weight room. The men's weight room is, please envision, just the most tricked out gym for the women. Sedona just points the camera at this stack of tiny free weights, like the kind you might keep in your house during the pandemic to, like, stave off existential dread for a week. If you aren't upset about this problem, then you're a part of it. I went to high school in Texas. Our football team's weight room was sponsored by Nike. I know exactly what's going on here. (laughs) This video blows Sedona up from being a player with a moderate social media following to being somebody with two plus million followers on TikTok. Damn. It's a lot. Yes. It's not, you know, we're not, we're just not a Demelio, but it's it's no small shakes. It's like nothing to sneeze at. (laughs) Uh, personally, I'm obsessed with the TikTok she makes with her partner, Riley, who is four foot nine. And yes. it's very funny when they switch clothing. Mm-hmm. So this, this Again, this is how I was introduced to Sona. Yeah. I was just like, <laughs> what is happening here? <laughs> so Sedona Prince, they become a TikTok star in their own right. And then what happens? For a student athlete with a giant platform in the past, it would have meant nothing. It would have meant that Sedona has the potential to just become more and more internet famous, but with no net gain. For a student with a giant platform in the past, that would have meant nothing. All of that changed on July 1st, 2021. The National Collegiate Athletic Association announced it is temporarily allowing student athletes to take sponsorship deals and to make money off their name, image, likeness. That's NIL. This is huge. It's huge. This is one of the biggest changes to student athlete dumb that's sports. <laughs> In like the history of the NCAA, this is this is a really, this really big deal. changes everything because one of the biggest criticisms of the NCAA is the fact that students who make 
billions of dollars for both the NCAA, for their universities, for the entire ecosystem of college sports are not allowed to profit off of their likeness, but the school can put their likeness wherever the fuck they want. While student-athletes get a scholarship, which... We'll get into that. Yeah. (laughs) Some states already had legislation in place to allow student-athletes to do this. Relatively new legislation. But now the NCAA is working with Congress to nationalize the policy. Here's Sedona explaining that better and more like a human being and not a policy wonk. So if you haven't heard, the NCAA passed an interim NIL bill, which is allowing student-athletes to make money off their name, image, and likeness. So previously, student-athletes couldn't make money off of their brand. We couldn't sell merch, we couldn't get endorsement deals, um, we couldn't charge for autographs or pictures. But this bill allows for all of that. So that means when you buy your favorite college athlete's t-shirt, that money's going directly to your favorite college athlete. Now this bill is getting a lot of controversy, but coming from a student athlete side, this is huge for us. Athletes that are large creators haven't been able to make a cent off of their platforms like other large creators do. There was a piece in BuzzFeed last year from Tanya Chen that I revisited upon this announcement. um, And Tanya called student athletes, quote unquote, the original college influencers, which I think is the perfect way to think about this ecosystem. Sports are a huge draw for schools. I know that sounds obvious, but in terms of campus culture, reputation, who wants to attend a school with both of those things? Better, bigger sports teams, more talented, more famous. Let's be honest probably hot players like all of this is good for a school's bottom line because it gets you and me to go even though you and I are never gonna play div one basketball yeah it gets me and you to go it gets people to go to the games Mm -hmm. which is really where the money comes in it gets alumni to donate to these programs gotta buy the t-shirts but again alumni donations to specific sports programs are one of the biggest money makers for schools Mm -hmm. but what does it do for individual athletes quite literally nothing (laughs) This is such a weird controversy in the realm of college sports. So many people have opinions that college athletes don't deserve to be paid. I don't understand that kind of thinking at all. I understand from a point of football and basketball are honestly the main draws, and a lot of the programs don't turn a profit. And so it does mean that student athletes who play for a D1 football team would be making more money than their colleagues who are rowing. Or Hey, now, we're good people. I'm not saying you're not, but I, I do understand that concern. But the NCAA rules, which is, I think, kind of put under this rule of amateurism, that mm-hmm. these players are amateurs and therefore should not be allowed to profit off of their likeness, makes no sense when you think about the fact that the NCAA's profits are largely driven off the backs of black players who do get better facilities then their female, lesser-known student-athlete colleagues, but who are making millions, billions of dollars for universities, but who are quite literally not allowed to make money or take any money. And a lot of these kids are coming from lower incomes who can't profit off of the very thing that is making money for the university that they're at. Brandy Collins-Dexter, writing for The Undefeated, honestly described this dynamic as slave labor. And there are stories of student-athletes who can't even afford to buy groceries. A 2019 study found that nearly one quarter 
of Division I student-athletes had suffered recent food insecurity, which is a phenomenon that's 100% going to be exacerbated by the pandemic when students weren't on campus. But the terrible thing is students can quite literally risk their eligibility by accepting money for food. So if you are a student who can't afford groceries, are you going to take a job, be on the team, and do your classes? It's kind of impossible for walk-on students who don't get scholarships. Free. And for some student-athletes, that's true. But for many, that is not the case. For example, if you're a walk-on player, so that's somebody who isn't recruited out of high school, you get to you get to college and you audition. <laughs> Hi, I'll be performing the monologue from, uh, <laughs> what does Kurt say in Glee? I'll be auditioning for the role of kicker. Uh, <laughs> but you get to college and you try out Uh, And if you make the team, you walk onto it, which means you probably don't get a scholarship, most likely, uh, to play that sport, which means you're still on the hook for your college tuition. Here's a TikTok from John Seaton, who's a football player at Elon University, who did walk onto his team. uh, And he talks a little bit about that. And the fact that I would lose my eligibility to play my sport if I made so much as a dollar off of my personal brand is ridiculous. This legislation needs to pass for those of us who are not in the spotlight so we can ease the burden on those around us who have to pay these tuition fees. And you might say, oh, college athletes have free school, whatever, screw them. They get enough. Some of us trying to work, make an honest dollar, along with playing our sport and going to school, bro. A, incredible. B, imagine going into debt, for a school that is making millions of dollars off your likeness. See, even if you do get a scholarship, most college tuition fees for undergrad, I'm going to say max out around 90k a year. If you're there for 4 years, you're that is like a substantial amount of money. It is just under half a million dollars. That is perhaps 3 seconds of one NCAA final tournament ad spot. Like, the proportions are off here. So many people are like, you get an education for free. A lot of people get an education for free, and they definitely are not bringing in billions of dollars (laughs) to their university. Like, candidly, I got scholarships. I didn't bring shit to my school. All right. (laughs) I I was not making the amount of money that football players and basketball— Like, no one paid money to come see me do anything. I mean, you you can't hoop, but you can make a podcast. I mean, yeah, but no one's sitting here paying for this. Subscribe to Say Plus. <laughs> like, this is, it's, it's wild to me that so many people find it controversial that student athletes should be able to make money off of their face. Why would the school own their face? Like, that's what's happening here. They're owning their bodies. And that sounds a little uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a little uh, weird to me. I don't think it does. There's so much nuance also buried in this idea we were just talking about about college athletes getting to go to college for free, even within, like, Division One, So there's something called a headcount sport. Here, here's where I slide in that for a brief moment, <laughs> I thought I was going to walk on to a college sports team. Uh, there's something Ooh. called a headcount sport. Um, and then there's something called an equivalency sport. And headcount sports are teams where there's a set number of team members you have to recruit every year. And every single one of those people will get a scholarship. Equivalency sports, the school has a pot of money it can allocate to a number of different people on different teams. So it's not necessarily a guarantee that you will get a full-ride scholarship. So again, there's just a lot buried beneath this facade of student-athletes have it easy. All the glamour, all the glory. All the not being able to buy groceries or afford food. So 
the thing is, what's at stake here with this recent change to NCAA rules? Obviously money. But how much money are we talking? So Callan Rosenblatt, who is a reporter for NBC News, uh, we've talked about before on the show, did a piece about this and talked to a director of brand partnerships who works with brands and influencers and said they estimated within the year the average student athlete, you know, who is really trying to make a go of being an influencer, could make between 10 grand and 30 grand. That seems. I'm going to say the exact same thing. That seems low to me. That (laughs) seems 10 to 30 grand. There, I mean, I guess, okay, you said average, which I think is probably what that is kind of hiding in that Sedona Prince is going to make that off of one single post. And let's get into the sexism of it all. The male equivalent of Sedona Prince (laughs) is going to make four times that off of one single post. Call me. But this is huge news for student athletes. This, in fact, changes the calculus for people about whether or not they can afford to be student athletes. And this also changes the calculus that colleges are going to make. They were already recruiting influencers. Are you familiar with the Baylor twins? No. I mean, I grew up in... I'm familiar with Baylor (laughs) University. (laughs) My only entree into Baylor is this set of twins who I've been following on the internet since they were little girls. Their mom used to do their hair on YouTube. They're very famous, like a mega family of like 10 influencers. But these twins, Brooklyn and Bailey, who worked as influencers for Baylor while attending Baylor. That's... I mean... Brooklyn and Bailey deserve to make money off of their likeness if they're going to be recruited by the school for their likeness. I mean, it's only one likeness. They're identical twins. I mean, okay, sure. But, like, (laughs) they deserve to make as much money off their likeness as they want, just as student athletes do. Right. So recruiting athletes up until July 1st, 2021, was already recruiting them to be influencers and essentially free labor. We remain a union podcast, Solidarity Forever. Now the calculus, as you said, it has to shift so that influence stands to no longer profit solely institutions. And I think we're going to see a big change in how colleges utilize the students who play sports for them. And more importantly, how student athletes utilize the colleges. No, exactly. They have much more power in this equation than they had beforehand. A cautious I'm gonna I'm gonna cautiously declare a a, a happy ascending. Yeah, I'm gonna hold on, my breath on ICYMI. <laughs> um, after the break, ICYMI Sports returns with the Olympics. So the games are still a week away, but athletes from all over the world have started landing in Japan, and so have their TikToks. We'll be back with our official pre-game coverage of the games of the 32nd Olympiad, because that's why you listen to our show. After a quick break. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7, U.S.-based, live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. We are back with more sports. Again, this is now a sports podcast. I have dyed my hair like I'm Bob Costas at the 2000 Games in Sydney. I'll hopefully be avoiding getting pink eye. If you, like me, are an Olympics mega fan, you can get all your Olympics news by signing up for Slate Plus. That will give you access to all our special Olympics coverage on Slate.com and on Slate's 
other <laughs> sports podcast, hang up and listen. They're not as good as us. <laughs> of course, being a member of Slate Plus means no ads on this show or any other Slate podcast. Uh, head over to slate.com slash ICYMI plus to sign up for one buck right now. But back to the main event. The Olympics. Light the torch. Let's take a run. I'm already crying. I'm not running anywhere. But we are not talking just about the Olympics. We are specifically talking about Olympic TikTok and how it is time for y'all to start training. Not for any sort of athletic event. Don't worry. But you do need to start telling your TikTok algorithm to serve you the primest of Olympic content. The gold standard of Olympic content. Honestly... I'm sort of hoping that people also bootleg the Olympics ads onto TikTok. I just want Morgan Freeman selling me a sob story and also a credit card in a black and white commercial. We forget all the things that make us different. And remember all the things that make us the same. Visa, proud sponsor of the Olympic Games. And the only card accepted there. Has Morgan Freeman convinced me to get a credit card? Not yet, but it's ha- it's gonna it's gonna happen at when one point. When PG does the ads with the moms, <laughs> we love emotional manipulation by corporations. <laughs> I love the Olympics, but I do also need to say, as an Olympic super fan. The Olympics also suck. <laughs> it's like, we do have to do, we do a little preface. They are racist. They are gender essentialist. And they are anti-black. Deeply anti-black. Justice for sprinters Shakari Richardson and the two Namibian teens, Christine Mboma and Beatrice Masalingi, whose testosterone levels exceeded what is allowed for women, which is gross and weird and happens every year with black women. So fuck the Olympics. But it's totally fine that Michael Phelps's, you know, lactic acid levels are comically, ahistorically low for human beings. Yeah, that's definitely He's just fine. special. He's just, he's a special little boy. Um, unfortunately, three decades of IOC propaganda and fuzzy little mascots, all of this has broken my brain. I have literally never seen you more excited for anything on this <laughs> podcast. It is honestly stunning. So I'm going to need both the IOC to be held to account and... Uh, Also, I'm going to need to watch just athletes in their prime crushing other athletes in their prime in games of blood and sweat and tears. What is this, Greek mythology? Yes, (laughs) quite literally. (laughs) I mean, I'm mostly just excited to sit and watch people at the absolute top of their physical fitness do something while I sit on my couch and think, oh, yeah, I could fucking do that. Like, who really? Curling? Luge? That's okay, easy. if you've been to a bond spiel, it's harder than it looks. I don't even know what the fuck you just said. <laughs> it's a it's a curling curling competition. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so the Olympics are the two weeks of the year where everyone is an armchair expert, and I I love this. Uh, so we have a couple of wrecks of people to follow on TikTok to start telling your algorithm, give me the muscles. So first up for me, because the TikTok algorithm just has me squarely pegged uh, is a women's rugby player named Alona Marr who makes really good content has been introing us to the teammates on the women's rugby team introducing the women who will be representing the USA in the Tokyo Olympics for rugby sevens part one hi I'm Chris Thomas I'm 27 I'm from Philly and my fun fact is that I roller skate hey I'm Nicole Haviland I'm 26 I'm from Whitefish Montana and I love vanilla frosting 
Gotta say, a sport I uh, I don't keep up with in the offseason, but I do anticipate knowing everything about women's rugby for exactly a fortnight this summer. I'm going to recommend Eric Shoji, who is a volleyball player and just so tall and beautiful and ta- talented. He's very ta- He's very good at what he He's so good at what he does. He's, on the, he's obviously an Olympic volleyball player. Welcome to day one with USA Volleyball in Japan. We arrived to Mishima City last night where we'll be staying for a couple of days. Got up early because of jet lag. Even I'm tall for that mirror. I'm not sure how. Had some coffee, obviously, and then headed to breakfast with the team. I was pretty hungry this morning. His arms are like, I think, as long as my body. I have, I have a lot of feelings. <laughs> uh, rapid fire, a couple more. At Anastasia underscore K underscore P, who is a Paralympic swimmer. Kenny Chase 25 for women's rowing. And then a new sport this year, um, Haimana Reynolds. Haimana underscore Reynolds for skateboarding. Ooh. I know. I'm excited. I'm also excited. Despite my general anti-nationalism, I do enjoy (laughs) watching hot people do things very well. The thing about making TikToks as an Olympian is, yes, it is about building a brand and establishing a fan base and that fan base comes with the potential for money making and endorsements look we all the olympics to wheaties box pipeline we all know and love eat your wheaties people brought to you by olympic gold medalist du jour (laughs) got milk i have feelings about that campaign as a lactose intolerant person however yes i do understand how many (laughs) olympian how many olympians were on those campaigns as a child currently But the less financially motivated capitalist side of Olympic TikTok that I've really been enjoying is it does bring attention to sports or athletes you might not otherwise see as much primetime coverage of. Women's rugby. Am I regularly watching that? Are they going to take away my gay card for this answer? No, I'm not regularly watching women's rugby. But now I'm really interested. And more eyeballs and fans means more money and better everything for the athletes involved in these sports. It means they don't show up to their training gym and have a small stack of free weights. Oh, my gosh. It means more attention to para-athletes. It means more respect for a sport like skateboarding or surfing, you know, like the new stuff this year that seems sort of trendy and cool, but also is incredibly difficult. (laughs) Wait, so you're telling me that on ICYMI, we're going to wrap up an episode by saying... Attention and time equals money. Yeah, but in a positive way. Yes. <laughs> wow. A happy ending on ICY <laughs> These are not new points, obviously. This is exactly what Sedona Prince was saying on TikTok earlier this year. And honestly, it's what the U.S. women's national soccer team has been shouting about while wearing very good suits forever. I think the kind of takeaway note here is to always listen to women in very good suits. I see no better place to end the podcast than that. And that's the show. We'll be back in your feed on Wednesday, so definitely subscribe. It's free. You'll never miss an episode. You'll get to hear us be um, thirsty on Maine. Also, leave us a rating review on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends and fans about us. You can follow us on Twitter at ICYMI underscore pod, where we will um, share your very fun remixes of me sounding drunk and also the memes that you make we love the memes that y'all have made of us and you can always drop us memes or voice notes or remixes or hot athletes to follow at icymindslate.com
ICYMI is produced by Daniel Schrader. Our supervising producer is Derek John. Forrest Wickman and Allegra Frank are Slate's culture editors. And Gabe Roth is editorial director of audio. See you online. Or at the Olympics. Cancel Cabaret. Cancel Club. Cabaret Cancel. There are no musical performances. Cancelment Cabaret. No. <laughs> My name is No. <laughs> With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, this is Dahlia Lithwick, host of Slate's legal podcast, Amicus. If you're listening to this show, you might be interested in Amicus's live show that we're hosting in Washington, D.C., on Tuesday, May the 14th, my colleague Mark Joseph Stern and I will be talking to some amazing guests, including Sherilyn Eiffel and a sitting state Supreme Court justice, all about how originalism, a relatively recently invented way of interpreting the Constitution, has taken over the Supreme Court and radically reshaped the law. It's been doctrinal rocket fuel for the conservative legal movement and facilitated the rolling back of abortion rights, the expansion of gun rights, and the obliteration of the separation of church and state. And as another wildly consequential Supreme Court term careers to its end, the court's originalists are on a tear. But there's something you can do about it, and we hope you'll join us in D.C. on May 14th to explore the possible pathways out of the current situation. Go to slate.com slash amicus live for tickets.